and yeah, and the last and the last time that we saw uh, Donald uh, Donald Trump come out of a out of a court hearing like this one, or at least, uh, and maybe that's his plan. I don't know. Remember, he gave like a less than a minute response to the cameras, and yeah. then he was out. You never know with the 45th president of the United States. Well, we will find out soon enough. Uh, Blake, Blake, thanks for breaking that down for us. Don't go anywhere. Uh, We've got a special two-hour edition of On Balance with Leland Vittert covering today's events in Georgia. That starts right now. I'm Brian Enton. See you tomorrow. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television, 7 p.m. Eastern. We understand that Donald Trump is expected to land in Atlanta just a couple of minutes from now. We'll keep live pictures up on the screen. But let's start off the show with just a couple of facts to guide us over the next two hours. We understand the president will be in and out of Atlanta uh, in that time span. President Trump is going to turn himself into the Fulton County, Georgia, authorities And you can see the live picture of the jail right there on charges related to interference in the 2020 election. We expect him to be at the jail somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes from now. Live pictures right now of the tarmac. You can see they're waiting for his plane to arrive. He's going to be fingerprinted. He will get his mugshot taken. We are truly, in that sense, in unprecedented times. A mugshot of a former president. His campaign, we understand, will sell mugshot merchandise probably available by tomorrow morning, and raise millions. Polling shows not only his supporters, but many Americans who don't particularly like Trump believe this prosecution, along with the three other cases, are politically motivated. That's important. And the fact that this is happening in prime time tells you a lot how Donald Trump views what is happening to him. That anger by so many Americans who don't necessarily like Donald Trump at what's happening to Donald Trump explains why his poll numbers have gone up with each indictment. Of course, despite the massive talk of security and the bracing for possible threats and everything else that you will hear, and the large security presence we see outside of the jail in Fulton County, the sun will rise tomorrow the same way it did this morning, with Donald Trump up double digits and the odds-on favorite for the Republican nomination. And last night's Republican debate still will not have changed much overall. Like that, don't like that, it's entirely up to you. But those are the facts. Eric Erickson is standing by from Georgia, one of the most keen political observers we know. But we begin with News Nation's Robert Sherman at the Fulton County Jail. Hi, Robert. Hey there, Leland. And as you said, of course, there's always this talk about security and waiting for what's to come here. I mean, not to even beat around the bush, this is a very in-control situation here. And you see a lot of people, you know, mostly members of the press and law enforcement, but there are some demonstrators here, but everyone just exercising their First Amendment right. Nothing has gotten out of hand here. Uh, I would say, though, is that yesterday we saw the chaotic flurry of members of the press chasing down former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani. That was the most tense and hectic that we've really seen this uh, entire scene here in the week. But that being said, there's a lot of anticipation for the former president's arrival here today, largely because of a couple of those things that you mentioned here. There's the optics of the fact that there's a former president 
who will be turning himself into the Fulton County Jail. There is the strong possibility that we'll be getting a mugshot of the former president tonight. That's the latest guidance that we've been given from the sheriff's office here as well. So even though that this is the fourth time that we've gone through this, there is anticipation on the ground here for the former president to arrive. But again, emphasizing, Leland, this scene very much so in control. Fulton County sheriffs very much so in control of this scene, Leland. All right. President Trump's plane, as you saw, just touched down at Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport. It's about 30 minutes or so, maybe a little less of a drive to the Fulton County lockup there. Uh, process goes property intake, physically searched, uh, body scanner, medical screening, fingerprints taken, mugshot, checking for outstanding warrants. That is for your typical defendant. Uh, obviously, the former president of the United States is anything but typical Joining us now, Eric Erickson, radio show host and author of The Biden Strategy, Blame the Judges, author of one of the most insightful, if not the most insightful political note uh, on the planet that you can receive in your email inbox. It's good to see you, Eric, uh, as always. Look, President Trump got to choose the time uh, and the manner. He chose prime time exactly 24 hours after the Republican debate. And what I'm what I'm realizing is, is that 24 hours after the Republican debate, no one's talking about the Republican debate. All they're talking about is Donald Trump, which Donald Trump uh, has learned over the past eight years is good for him politically. Oh, it's actually a brilliant strategy. Um, he tried the Tucker Carlson interview, which actually fell very flat. Uh, no references to it, despite supposed astronomical views on Twitter. But now this, everybody's talking about this. Uh, the debate was given less than 24 hours of coverage, 12 hours of coverage at most, really, uh, when people got up this morning. And now we get to talk about Donald Trump, exactly what he likes. It's a very smart strategy. There, there's two courts here, right? And you're a lawyer. You're an election lawyer by trade from, from Atlanta. So we're going to get into the law here in a minute. But there's the court of public opinion that you've got the left and the right. The left is going to believe Donald Trump's guilty of anything. It doesn't matter. The right's going to believe uh, he's a persecuted man, the far right. But there's this group in the middle who may not like Donald Trump, but like what is being done to him even less. And there is a bar beyond reasonable doubt, right? But then there's a bar of... This is not a politically motivated prosecution. Has Fannie Willis met that as Donald Trump heads off uh, to turn himself in on her charges? No, keep in mind, one of the people she was investigating in this whole thing is Georgia's lieutenant governor. And she was um, had to stop investigating him because she tried to fundraise off of that. She's on the ballot next year. She has uh, campaigned with fundraisers about uh, election integrity, subtly veiled at this. So, no, I don't think so. Now, Democrats can say, well, this is justice and justice be done. Uh, but you've got the Jack Smith case that largely involves the same set of circumstances in a federal court in Washington, D.C. Uh, this just seems to be a pile on, particularly when you have 17 defendants and you're using Georgia's notoriously wide ranging RICO law to go after him. Put all of that together. And by virtue of the fact that we're all talking about this, we're not talking about, nor could any of us find a singular moment from last night's debate that you go, aha, that is that is the thing. That was the moment that the Republican nomination fight turned. Barring some major change and indictments don't seem to be up to that bar. Donald Trump's still the de facto nominee of the Republican Party, is he not? Yes. Uh, an odd thing happened last night. Uh, there were rumors that Fox News would play clips of Donald Trump and have the candidates respond. They didn't do that. 
Uh, the candidates got to talk. They largely avoided Donald Trump. It felt like a semblance of normalcy pre-Trump. Now suddenly we're back to talking about him. He thrives on that attention. Uh, the media, by and large, is in a sick symbiotic relationship with him. MSNBC barely covered the debates, for example. They've covered the indictment all day. Guess what? Their ratings went up with their viewers. Um, Donald Trump thrives on the media's coverage. The media ratings thrive on covering Donald Trump. So there's no end to the cycle until we ignore him. Well, he said in a Playboy interview, I think in the late 80s or early 90s, it's called The Trump Show and it's sold out everywhere. So he's been doing this for a while. He's very he's very good at it. Uh, you talked about ratings. The first Republican debate of the 2024 cycle had less than half of the viewers. Of the first Republican debate of the 2016 cycle, um, meaning half of the viewers yesterday versus 2016. The difference in that in that debate was Donald Trump. This would be the question, and I'm wondering, for, for a Republican supporter and a diehard Republican as you are who does not necessarily support Donald Trump, I, could he say anything, could he do anything that will change your mind in this sense of he's going to have to pivot at some point from talking about the charges against him and the unfairness of them, which a lot of Republicans agree on, to talking about the issues that matter to Americans that don't follow politics on a minute-by-minute basis. He's got to. You know, he spent more money attacking Ron DeSantis than he spent attacking all other candidates, including Joe Biden, combined. He hasn't presented a forward-looking picture. He hasn't talked about pocketbook issues. He hasn't talked about anything that matters to the average American, including border security, which used to be his issue. He's talked about a stolen election, which was not stolen. And he's talked about uh, a vendetta and revenge campaign against those who he thinks slighted him. And he's talked about his indictments. Uh, that's not a winning message for American people who are hungry for something new. And by the way, you got over 53% of Americans who said absolutely not. They don't want to consider him. They definitely won't if he's not talking to them about their issues. All right. So then explain, because you have such a unique understanding of the Republican field, explain his hold on the Republican Party. To some degree, I think the pull-in is overstated because there is a stand-by-your-man, circle-the-wagons, Tammy Wynette effect happening. Uh, is he still the dominant voice? Yes, because he's known the best. Take Ron DeSantis, for example. Last weekend, I had my conference. I was stunned by the number of people in the room who did not know he was a veteran, did not know he had gotten into the military because of 9-11. He hasn't sold himself at all. He sold what he did in Florida. And people look at this and say, well, Donald Trump beats these people up, too. I like him. Nobody in this race has presented themselves in such a way to provide any sort of biographical alternative to the man who they think fights. No one has sold themselves. Uh, it, it's all been very poorly run by the other candidates. And DeSantis, of course, trying to pull Trump voters away. When you look at the polling, Leland, he's got about a 25 to 30 percent floor. He's probably at a ceiling. Keep in mind, though, that it's state by state. In, in Iowa, for example, he's only 23 points ahead, which sounds big. But when you combine first and second choice, which is what you have to do in the caucuses, Ron DeSantis is two points ahead of him. In New England, in, in New Hampshire, and South Carolina, other people are drawing close. That's why he still continues to attack particularly DeSantis. He doesn't have this in the bag, even though the national polling suggests he does. All right. How much, though, support? And look, we can't emphasize enough. Donald Trump is choosing 7, 10 p.m. Eastern, 24 hours after uh, the first Republican debate that he skipped, to come turn himself in. So he he wants these pictures. Um, how much are we understating or or how much should we account for 
the people who don't like Donald Trump necessarily um, and who, who don't want it necessarily for him to be president again, but are more angry at what's being done to him uh, and the, the feeling by so many um, that these are political prosecutions and that the, the precedent this sets is far more dangerous than reelecting Donald Trump. I think it's a relevant group of voters, but it's far smaller now than it used to be, given how polarizing Donald Trump is. If it was a different candidate, I think there would be a larger pool of voters. Many of those voters happen to be Republicans who would hold their nose and vote for him anyway. The problem is he's lost suburban women. He's lost independent, moderate voters that he needs, and he's not making a case to them. They may look at this and say, well... I, I think this is political, but they also can look at the documents case, for example, at Mar-a-Lago and say, but he brought a lot of this on himself. Maybe he should have shut up. Yeah, it's pretty wild um, in so many ways. Eric, your your analysis is always uh, thoughtful uh, and insightful at the same time, entertaining as well. I know we'll see you on the radio tomorrow. Thank you, uh, as always, my friend. Uh, Tamar Hallerman is here, senior reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, who's been following um, this case, and by the case we mean the Fannie Willis uh, indictment that Donald Trump is going to go uh, turn himself in on, will put up uh, what he has been charged with. Um, GA election interference, 13 charges, 76 years, and you heard Eric Erickson talk about the RICO charges, racketeer influence, corrupt organization charges. Uh, Georgia has a very broad statute, uh, and Fannie Willis has been criticized before for overcomplicating cases by bringing that statue um, into play. Um, we appreciate, appreciate you joining us here. Uh, Tamar, tell us just from your experience in terms of how this normally goes, what the, the president goes through when he heads to the Fulton County Jail. Sure. Well, there's all sorts of things that'll need to occur after he arrives, which we're expecting around 7.30. He's going to have to arrange for his bail. And I was able to confirm a CNN report just now that he's working with a local uh, bail bonds company to help uh, provide the money. There's going to be a, a medical test. He's going to have to have a body search. There's going to be electronic fingerprints and, of course, the notorious mugshot. So quite a few steps to go, although whereas you're your average defendant might have to wait hours in a little room with other people uh, before getting through this process. Donald Trump, of course, is a different case and there's Secret Service protection involved. So he might be able to get through this much quicker than your All right, average. So, uh, tomorrow, I don't know if you can see this. We're just going to interrupt you for a second. Donald Trump's just walking down um, the stairs there, waving at the press pool that will be in the motorcade uh, to the jail and back. We're just going to listen in for a second, see if he says anything. And I couldn't make out what he shouted. Uh, depends on whether or not uh, the right microphone was uh, put up there. We're not sure how long it took. You can see now the, the press cameras. Uh, they're going to all hop into the, uh, into the vans. Uh, I'm hearing from the control room. He said, thank you very much. All right. Uh, Tamar, you've been studying this case, and we talked to Eric Erickson about this. There's there's the two bars, right? There's the bar of criminal charges beyond a reasonable doubt. Then there is the bar for so many voters to say, hey, these charges are so serious. This is not political um, and must be prosecuted. 
How is Fannie Willis trying to make that second case? She's trying to divorce this from politics as much as she possibly can. Of course, that's an impossible task given the set of defendants in this case. But I think she's trying to do this as by the book as she possibly can. And she really took her time um, announcing these charges, pursuing these charges in front of a grand jury. She was heavily criticized for not doing this faster. There were many people, especially after that phone call with Brad Raffensperger leaked, who said she is more than enough just with that tape to to pursue charges. And she really said no and took her time. So I think the hope is that by doing that and dotting her I's and crossing her T's, she'll be able to show voters that she's not politically motivated. Of course, that's not the world that we live in in 2023. <laughs> and no matter what she does, she's going to be accused of that. Yeah, I, right. I mean, that's just sort of the world we live in. I, I know you you've, you cover uh, the the legal proceedings in in Fulton County and in Atlanta better than just about anybody else. Um, Jim Jordan, uh, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, uh, has now asked for records about whether Fannie Willis and Jack Smith, the special counsel, uh, interacted and talked about and shared evidence in this case. What are you what are you hearing about that? Was that expected? Was that understood? Was that anticipated? And therefore, there was some blocking and tackling before that? Or is this something from left field? This has to have been anticipated. Similar requests were filed for Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. So I'm sure her team was anticipating something like this. For what it's worth, uh, DA Willis has told the press that she has not been in contact with Jack Smith. But at the same time, traditionally, the DA's office, if they are going to be interfacing with the Justice Department, that's often done through their field office in Atlanta. So maybe there's wordsmithing going on there. I haven't gotten a great sense of that. But if anything, you can see that the two sides haven't been coordinating so much. Jack Smith, it appears, rushed to get his charges out before D.A. Willis um, kind of telegraphed her her when she wanted to, to move forward. So it seems like they're kind of going their own ways. And of course, there was significant overlap between the two sets of charges in the January 6th case and now with this Fulton County case. What do you make of there's sort of two sides to this as we watch the motorcade head out of uh, the airport. There's this concept that the RICO laws, the racketeer influence corrupt organization laws that were built to go after, you know, drug gangs and the like, um, are very broad in Georgia. And there has been a lot of discussion that oftentimes it's a little bit too cute by half, if you will, uh, to try and, and allege grand conspiracies under RICO. It gives you a lot of power. It's fun to say. But in the end, it, it complicates a prosecution. That's something I've heard frequently from defense attorneys who aren't even a part of this case. Uh, they feel like prosecutors like Fonnie Willis in the past, even before she brought this elections interference case, have used it too heavily to be able to pull in all these people, even if they were more at the fringes of an alleged conspiracy or enterprise. They feel like it really broadens who's who's considered culpable for a crime in a way that's unfair. Of course, if you talk to a prosecutor like D.A. Willis, she says it, it allows her to tell the full story of what's going on and maybe go after these corrupt people at the top of these alleged organizations who traditionally might not have been able to be prosecuted. The most traditional example being the mob. The, the mob boss at the top might not have blood on his hands from directly killing somebody, but there was, you know, an understanding with his underlings. When I say take care of this, they're yeah. the ones who to take care of it. So she's applying that to things like Atlanta school teachers, or in this case, Donald Trump and the 2020 presidential campaign. 
Yeah, there's there's an irony here that those on the right were quite happy uh, when when Fonnie Willis went after uh, some gang members uh, in rappers using using the RICO charges. And there was a discussion of how interesting it was. And now it's obviously uh, the shoe is definitely on the other foot here. Hey, I just want to say uh, incredible reporting. We're really happy you were able to join us. I know you've got a lot of work to do tonight. Um, but if you get anything from your sources, check back in with us uh, throughout the next couple of hours. Thank you. Um, we're watching the motorcade here of President Trump, former President Trump, heading to the Fulton County Jail. Appears as though there are a few minutes uh, behind schedule when we come back a little bit more on the process of what's going to happen when President Trump goes to the jail. And then also a little bit more on this mugshot, um, because President Trump's supporters have some special plans, not only for his mugshot, but there's now a solidarity movement among supporters to post their own mugshots. Uh, can they turn the mugshot photo uh, on its head for Democrats? That when we come back. When somebody gets indicted, your poll numbers go down. When somebody gets indicted, you announce, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be leaving to spend time with my family and to fight for the rest of my life on this stuff. But you're out of politics. I got indicted four times. All trivia, nonsense, bullshit. It's all bullshit. President Trump explaining his ability to defy political gravity and have his poll numbers go up with each of the past three indictments. Uh, and the past three times that we have been through this of watching the president's motorcade drive through a city to a courthouse, or in this case, jail, where the president will turn himself in, although this is the first time he has decided to do it in prime time. Now, 24 hours after the Republican debate, you can see the highways in Georgia uh, around Atlanta have been cleared uh, for the president's motorcade. Here with the panel, Shermichael Singleton, political consultant, host of the Shermichael Singleton Show on Sirius XM, Kurt Bardella, Democratic strategist, L.A. Times contributor, uh, and former House GOP Oversight Committee advisor, a man who knows both sides of the aisle. Look, the... Donald Trump's got a point here, that every time this happens, his poll numbers go up. He, everyone's talking about there's going to be a mugshot, there's going to be a mugshot. The campaign's already already selling merch on the mugshot. Mm -hmm. He's on to something. Oh, I mean, there's a reason why they call it Teflon Don, right? Like, until or if there's a point where he gets taken down, mm -hmm. he's right about that. Every time something happens like this, his numbers with at least the Republican primary electorate go up. His lead over his nearest rival, in this case, Ron DeSantis, increases. I mean, if you're Donald Trump, there is a very little reason why you would deviate from this strategy at this point. We're, what, seven years into the Trump show? And it's still working just like it did in 2016. So for Donald Trump's perspective, blowing off the debate, overshadowing debate, deliberately planning to turn himself in 24 hours after the RNC debate, the guy knows staging, man. He knows yeah. PR. That I, no I, one's going to talk about, Kurt, uh, tomorrow. We're not going to talk no, about no, the, the, the it's, it's, it's like it didn't happen. The debate didn't happen. It's like it never happened. I, I don't know if we have the shot from inside uh, the motorcade, but the, the campaign, his campaign allows the pool, uh, which is the press pool that travels with either the president or at times former presidents or presidential candidates, uh, they get to decide whether or not this picture is allowed or not, and they've they've allowed it. Yeah, tr um, Trump is literally producing a reality show yes. in real time. This is what this is what I think is interesting, though, about his supporters. And you've got to give a nod to someone who has been able to to turn a political movement into a cult of personality. And I don't say that uh, in any way, sort of 
trying to demagogue it or be insulting to it. But there are people who believe so fiercely in Donald Trump. Now on Twitter, among the, the MAGA crowd, they are posting uh, mugshots of themselves. There's a template up of the Fulton County mugshot uh, <laughs> graphic, and people are posting it in solidarity. Sure, Michael, there's no other Republican who even comes close no, no one to that, that kind of devotion. No one has that type of command uh, within the Republican camp, and not even President Biden himself has that type of command with the Democratic voters. And, and what it does showcase is that Donald Trump, to me, or, or his supporters, I should say, look to Donald Trump more than just him as an individual. But I think what he represents as being anti-establishment, <clears throat> I think being anti-bureaucratic in terms of the political process, generally speaking. And I always have to remind people of this, Leland. Uh, Donald Trump's supporters don't just dislike and distrust the Democratic establishment. It's the Republican establishment as well. They would probably put them all on the same plane. Throw the field. bums out. Oh, absolutely. And, and so I think Trump in many ways has become the embodiment of that sentiment. Yeah. And that, look, that sentiment, by the way, is real. And it's not necessarily, you know, you and I, is, we went through 2016, um, you used to always talk about finding sort of the, the unicorn, which was the Bernie Sanders voter, who if Bernie didn't win the Democratic nomination was going to vote for Trump. It turns out there were zillions of them. There's, a, there's, a, there's an urban rule divide in America. There's a rule sensibility that Donald Trump speaks to, even yeah, though he's from, yeah. from New York City. I, I guess this would be the question. You, you know, Kurt, you made the point earlier that, hey, you know, Democrats are, are secretly loving this because it means that Trump's going to be the nominee and Trump's easy to beat. Democrats thought the same thing in 2016. Isn't, is there, there's a danger in the hubris here. Well, there is, but there's also a track record in that they've already beaten this guy before. They beat Donald Trump in 2020. And someone's going to have to someday show me, and maybe Scott Tranner, who will join us later on, I know, can tell me this. What is the universe of voters that voted for Joe Biden in 2020, has seen what has happened in this country, has seen what is going on with Donald Trump, four indictments and, and all of these things, four different cases, who sees that and goes, you know what? I got that wrong in 2020. I'm voting for Trump in 2024. Well, funny you should say that because Scott Tranner is standing by, director of data for our partners at Decision Desk HQ. All right. Are there Trump, Biden, you know, went for Trump in 2016, Scott, went for Biden in 2020, and who, because of their anger, either at Joe Biden because of the economy or their anger at Democrats for going after Donald Trump, are willing to, uh, in the words of Winston Churchill, re-rat. <clears throat> um, yeah, no, I, look, there are not a lot of the voters Kurt described, but I will remind Kurt about 30% of America doesn't vote each time, and Donald Trump has a proven track record of getting people who haven't voted before to come out and vote. And I think that's where it's dangerous for him in 2024, if you're the Democrats, is his ability to get some of those rural and suburban voters who don't always vote, who are inspired by him, you know, to use your words from earlier, he is a cult of personality. He's a cult of personality. And a, how much of that is helped? How much of the devotion to personality is increased because of these images? You know, the, he's, he's, Donald Trump will tell you he is being persecuted, prosecuted because of his his willingness to fight the establishment on behalf of the little guy, on behalf of, of rural America, Scott. And is there any polling that that resonates not just with diehard Trump voters, but with people who may not really like Donald Trump? 
Short answer to your question is no. The long answer is there is, amongst the general electorate population, Donald Trump does very well in the mid-40s, just like uh, Joe Biden. But among the consistently voting population, especially among the independents, Donald Trump does not do well. His favorability and support and does a good job is not well among the independents. And I think that's where the biggest weakness is. Among those who are going to consistently come out and vote, not very strong. Among those who may not come out and vote or have yet to prove they're going to come out and vote, he does, he does okay, on par. Well, and the other thing, too, I want to point out is that as Trump has this you know, major effect of getting people to vote that may not have voted before, he also has an incredibly mobilizing effect on the Democratic Party base. I'm thinking about 2022 when, when the message was dire. Democrats were in disarray. They were going to lose in a massive red wave. There was very little incentive to really show up and vote if you're a Democrat. And yet, with the specter of everything that's going on right now on, on, you know, unfolding behind us, Democrats did show up and actually vote. Well, there was no red wave. There was no red wave. Even the Republicans won back the House. They won it with just four seats. They were supposed to get us. They were bragging well, about the, a 60 seat majority. The, 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 but can, I, can I jump in here, Lila? I mean, it wasn't because of Donald Trump. Abortion was the leading issue in the country at the time. Uh, and, and I want to, you know, sort of push back here on, on a couple of things. We need to look at the state of the economy. What will that be next year? We need to look at gas prices. We need to look at fuel. We need to I look just want to interrupt food. you for one second. So, so you can see now the motorcade has gotten uh, quite a bit larger. Wow. Uh, Presidential-esque, really, in terms of uh, the amount of uh, police motorcycles. And now we have some cameras prepositioned along uh, the route uh, into the Fulton County Jail. So it's un- I'm trying to figure out exactly where. Uh, guys, do we know which... Which camera this is that we're watching uh, as the cars pull in? Is that where all the reporters are outside the jail? Yeah, all right. So he's pulling into the jail um, right now, literally exactly on time. We said 730, um, and there he is. So at least on paper, and you can imagine the Secret Service has gone there and walked through this process. It's about a 20 to 30-minute process. Um, Once they are inside the jail, fingerprinting, um, and the mugshot. We don't know if he will go through the other indignities, um, shall we say, that people who are processed in this jail go through. Uh, we've heard it's a uh, rather grim place, um, even as jails go. Uh, look, uh, Sir Michael, at some level, this is also motivated. I've never actually, in all my time watching presidential motorcades, I've never seen that. It is a bear cat from what appears to be the local SWAT team as part of uh, the motorcade going in. Uh, so there, there's a, a large presence there. Hey, look, is this motivating to, shall we say, swing rep- agnostic Republicans, if you will, versus, and I think I'll put the other point, mm-hmm. that, uh, a final point. You said abortion was a big issue in 2022. In 2022, Joe Biden in September and Democrats flipped it and put Donald Trump on the ballot, even though he wasn't on the ballot. Um, does this begin to weigh on people may not like what's happening to Donald Trump, but they don't like the drama either? No, they don't like the drama, but I'm more concerned about whether or not I can afford gas. I'm concerned about whether or not I can afford rent or buy a home. I'm concerned about walking to the grocery store if I live in D.C. and getting shot by some thug because the district attorney has decided we're not going to put people in jail. Uh, I, what Donald Trump is going through, in my opinion, does not trump those things. Those are very real things for the American people. And so to Scott's point, 
about voters who don't typically vote, I think many of those people are out there and they say, you know, I don't like Trump, but do I want a feeble Joe Biden? Do I want a Joe Biden and a Kamala Harris who's soft on crime? Do I want a Joe Biden and a Kamala Harris where the economy just isn't strong? <laughs> I think the answer is no. You're saying soft on crime as their guy is pulling I, up to I a sure jail. Did, oh, no, but look, the, there the, the irony, and we're watching a Secret Service SUV pull up to the Sally Port of the Fulton County Jail. The the irony is it was funny, funny Willis who went after gang leaders and rappers on the very same very Rico. broad RICO statue mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Georgia that is now being used against Donald Trump. There was criticism of her there. Which, by uh, the way, then. Atlanta has a, a crime problem. I went to college yeah. in Atlanta. I talked to a lot of people I mean, in Atlanta. One thing they have a sure, crime problem. Sure, Michael's right. Well, what you, how you just said what you said is exactly what every Republican should be saying. Well, but I didn't hear well, that last night at the I, debate. I, actually, and I don't hear Donald Trump ever I, saying I, that. I actually heard a lot of it at the debate last night, except nobody paid attention to it because we're all watching... Um, and waiting for this. So as I understand it, we're going to take a quick break here while the president is inside the jail. Uh, Back in a minute with a little bit more on the president's legal arguments on exactly these charges that he's facing. Uh, The DA just filed for an October trial. Could there be a trial before Iowa when we come back? We have a crime. All right, pictures of President Trump walking off his plane just a couple of minutes ago. He is now inside the Fulton County Jail, where he will be booked, fingerprinted, uh, and then we understand there will be a mugshot taken of him uh, in the next couple of minutes. Joining us now, former assistant public defender, Fulton County, Shandell Summer. Uh, Shandell, just because it's sort of such a wild thing to consider, uh, a Secret Service SUV backing up to the Sally Port at the Fulton County Jail. What's it like inside the Fulton County Jail? Well, it's not a pretty sight. Good evening, Leland. It's a, um, a, a jail that's undergoing right now an investigation by the Department of Justice for having lice and bed bugs. But I don't expect President, former President Trump will be there for very long. They're going to expedite this booking, and he's going to go out in grand style like he came in. I mean, this is the most presidential surrender I've ever seen in my life, and I think it's unprecedented, and he will absolutely uh, turn this into such a win uh, under these circumstances. Yeah, well, I think we're, it's all a big it, we're all covering it. We're all covering it in prime time. That's kind of it is. I'm interested in your take, um, simply from a legal perspective, of the idea of these charges under RICO, racketeer-influenced corrupt organizations, because Georgia has a very broad RICO statute, and Fonnie Willis, who's the DA there, has been both praised by Republicans for using RICO aggressively, but also at times has gotten herself into trouble, right? Because it's pretty easy to overcharge um, in these cases. What What's realistically the, the president's lawyer's chance, and what do you make of... Uh, the, the request for an October trial? I think Fannie Willis is a little RICO crazy. She's already involved in a huge RICO case with Young Slime Life, a, a supposed uh, rap organization that um, is involved in all sorts of crimes. They haven't even gotten a jury seated. They've been trying to qualify a panel since January. That's unheard of in Fulton County. Um, there are so many rank and file crimes out there, murders, rapes, robberies. 
she should be focusing on this. Th- these charges have already been indicted by Jack Smith up in Washington involving basically the same conduct. So the idea that she's going to go through it in great detail and try to pull in a wider net, uh, I think it is politically motivated. I think she was too far down the road when the federal indictment came down and she couldn't back off. She'd already spent two years on the investigation. Mm. So it's unfortunate that the Fulton County taxpayers like me are going to have to pay for this prosecution, but uh, it's really not necessary. This was basically just bad lawyering. Um, it right. was an idea. You mentioned the investigation idea. because there there was a grand jury that was in panel, the special grand jury for this. And it's, it's worth noting because as we're watching the president, the former president uh, now being booked on these charges, who's behind them? It's both Fonnie Willis, who's the, the prosecutor, uh, but then also uh, the foreperson of that special grand jury, you might remember, gave uh, some interviews that called into question sort of how seriously the process was really being taken. Uh, a couple of those sound bites. Take a listen. This was a really cool experience. We were never, like, instructed to avoid all the news. I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president. I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump. We definitely discussed him a lot in the room. There's a difference between the crimes we were called to investigate and crimes that were committed in the room. There are no major plot twists waiting for you. I will be sad if nothing happens. Chandel, does the president's lawyers get to use all that? I think that that's a, you know, a young woman who was excited about being part of the process. And believe it or not, in all of the juries I've selected in my career, people are always kind of wanting to be on the jury. And this is a big one she can talk about forever. You know, it's a celebrity case and Americans love reality TV. So but the idea of the special purpose grand jury um, was challenged by Trump's attorney, Drew Fenling, um, as being unconstitutional. And um, they really didn't have much of a purpose other than to do the investigation. The the actual indictment of the president came from an, yet another grand jury uh, that she called in for that purpose just uh, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, the whole special purpose grand jury was uh, much ballyhooed about, and they did issue a report but it was only released in certain parts. So um, it's really unclear as to whether or not you even can call a special purpose grand jury in a criminal case legally. Huh. All right. Um, well, Shandell, we appreciate it. We're going to have you back, obviously, as this, as this case works its way through, because you've, you've tried these cases and you understand what's, what's involved, especially in the, in the RICO, RICO uh, world of this. It's been... Uh, much ballyhooed and also much criticized. So thank you. We appreciate it. It's nice to see you. Uh, as we look now, you're sort of looking at a sealed off area around the Fulton County Jail. President Trump's inside, as you heard. It is a rather grim place as we've now uh, been through this process three times. This is the fourth. Uh, you can see the Secret Service motorcade getting ready uh, and, and at the ready to leave uh, and then head back to the airport with President Trump. Uh, a little bit more uh, about how this is playing in Georgia specifically, and it matters in Georgia, and the charges of playing politics are even more important in Georgia, given how important Georgia will be in the 2024 presidential election, whether President Trump and Joe Biden are on the ballot or not. Uh, Why all roads to the White House run through Georgia when we come back. All 
All right, welcome back. We understand that President Trump has been booked inside the Fulton County Jail. Outside the Fulton County Jail is Donnell Suggs, editor-in-chief for the Atlanta Voice with us now. Look, Donnell, put us this in perspective for us politically in Georgia. Um, this is a state that President Trump won in 2016, lost in 2020, uh, obviously. Um, and now here we, here we are. Does this fire up a certain uh, base of voters for him uh, for 2024? Or are Georgia Republicans just tired? I think people are tired. I think Georgia Republicans are tired. I think uh, there's still a strong base, and there will always be people who will, who will be Trump 2024. I saw someone with a, tw- a Trump 2024 or whenever hat. Like, there's still going to be a base for that. But I think people are tired. I think this is just enough is enough already. And if four indictments don't do it, I'm not sure what, what will. Well, that, that may be the point, right, that, that nothing, nothing will do it. I'm interested about Fawny Willsby. She seems to be disliked by both the progressive left and now by all Republicans. And so much of it revolves around this use of the RICO charges, racketeer-influenced corrupt organizations, and the accusations that she's someone who sort of over-prosecutes and over-complicates things. Uh, clearly, this has been brought after the Jack Smith indictments. It's a double indictment, state charges on something that's already been charged, charged federally. Is there anybody who is arguing, hey, look, she's just doing this solely because she's a prosecutor and there's no politics involved? I've spoken to a number of attorneys that just feel like that's a a weapon that lawyers can use. RICO is something that they use, so why not use it? I don't know why I hear people often say, oh, that's her secret weapon, or that's, she's always using it. I mean, if you can use it, why wouldn't you use it? The whole point of being a DA is to win. You're not trying to lose. So if there's something that she's familiar with and she's won in a big way with the Atlanta Public Schools cheating scandal and she's working on this YSL case, so, I mean, third time's a charm. I don't see why she wouldn't use it. So I don't feel like she's being um, necessarily uh, uh, depicted in the right manner. Fair, fair enough. And she's also been uh, quite, quite tough on crime. She's seen as a, a tough on crime Democrat. Um, is there any thing to the argument? And are there are there any voices you're hearing in the in the Atlanta community, specifically Fulton County, that say, look, um, we've got our own problems here. Jack Smith is dealing with Trump in the in the federal courts and the time and money would be a lot better spent. Uh, on prosecuting street crimes in Fulton County than what we're seeing today? I hear that often from my readers. I hear that often from people in Atlanta, just on everyday life. We have so many things going on. Why aren't you worried about that? But here's the thing, though. That wasn't the case when people wanted the, the cheating scandal solved. And that wasn't the case when they voted her in as district attorney. So you do the job. You do the job in a small way. You do the job in a big way. I mean, isn't this a part of the job? So, I, you know, I, when I hear that, I go, there's always going to be more things going on. Atlanta's a major yeah, American she, city. And to be fair, she, she's, you know, run on these issues. So there you go. That's where, that's where we're at. Uh, Danielle, uh, good to see you as always. Right. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back uh, to the Fulton County Jail as President Trump uh, departs. We'll see you in a minute. In what might be a world record, President Trump was just booked at the Fulton County Jail from the time he was there 
uh, in the Sally Port to the time he left was about 23 minutes. The motorcade is now on its way back to the Atlanta airport. Our coverage of President Donald Trump's surrender to Fulton County prosecutors continues in a moment. Welcome to a special 